Hello and welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast, your bite-sized guide to enter the sports industry. My name is Ruben Williams and sitting across from me is nobody today. My beloved partner in crime, Ryan Walker, has gracefully exited the state of Victoria. He's seen the Bureau of Meteorology and looked at the forecast of consecutive seven-degree days and thought, you know what, I'm just going to head up north to Ely Beach for a few days. So well done, Ryan. I hope you're having an excellent time up north embracing the sun. So we down in Melbourne will continue to to trudge on to keep this podcast going and continue to uh, do do the work down here. So just me in the studio today, but uh, we've got a cracking episode nonetheless. Um, coming right up is Clayton Henderson, one of our beloved members who is uh, coming to the studio to do something a bit different today. We're going to have a chat about his career. I'm going to offer him some feedback and uh, helping with his career direction, a bit of his mindset, and also his application. We did some work on his interviewing, his cover letter, and his resume. So stay tuned for that. But um, uh, if you're uh, if you're in Adelaide, if you're in Melbourne, if you're in Sydney, or if you're up north in Brisbane, not too far from uh, where Ryan is, then uh, keep an eye out for our sports grad industry meetups. These are a great opportunity to meet people working in the sports industry to build connections and relationships that can help take your career forward. So if you want to get involved with these, keep an eye out on our LinkedIn page. There's a whole bunch of events created on there with all the details. But we've got Adelaide coming up this week on the 16th of June. We're heading to Sydney on the 30th of June. Melbourne, we're running our meetup on Friday, the 1st of July, and then Brisbane on July 7. Melbourne has already sold out within six days. We had to find a bigger venue and release more tickets. That's how popular these events are. So make sure you get involved, register, save your spot because they're going to be absolutely phenomenal. Now, if you're wondering who I am, I'm Ruben Williams. Usually with me is Ryan Walker. We are two mates who met at Cricket Australia and now we help people find their own dream job through this very podcast and through our online community where we connect uh, great people to great jobs in sport at the biggest organisations in sport in the country. Think AFL, Cricket Australia, Tennis Australia, Formula One Grand Prix, that sort of thing. So if you want to follow us, head over to LinkedIn or even better, if you want to connect with us and hundreds of others working in the sports industry, jump into the sports grad community. It is absolutely going off there. And today we are speaking with one of our sports grad community members, Clayton Henderson, and uh, he's had some incredible experience in the past at Cricket Victoria and the NRL, and he's now job hunting for his next opportunity. And we've been able to help our members find over 200 jobs in the sports industry, and that's exactly what we're going to help Clayton with today. So if you like Clayton, you're a recent graduate, or if you're still studying and you want a foot in the door of the sports industry, or if you like Cricket Australia, Netball Australia, Tennis Australia, and you want to save time hiring Great people like Hendo, like Hendo jump into the sports grad community because there really is something for everybody inside. Now, I've got to be, give a big shout out to our beloved friends at Deakin University who have been a huge supporter of the podcast since day one. If you're currently studying or have just finished studying, having a postgrad qualification in sport management on your resume can give you a leg up over other potential candidates applying for the same role. So... If you want to pump up your resume and you want specialised knowledge in sports behaviour, law, marketing, ethics, finance, governance, strategy, take a look at at Deakin's post-grad qualifications. Their Master of Business in Sport Management is not one of, but the best in Australia ranked at number one. So add a post-grad to your resume and that is our little tip for the start of this episode. Now, I mentioned our guest for today, Clayton Henderson. He's a sports grad member. He's just arrived back. Uh, from the UK in Australia. He's on the hunt for a job and uh, he is a sport management graduate. He's got some great casual and internship experience at the likes of Cricket Victoria and the NRL. And in this episode, we just discuss his career. We kind of find out where his pain points are. We discuss some tips that he can take on, some changes he can make to his resume, some changes he can make to his cover letter and the way that he interviews uh, and discuss how we can go next to finding his next full-time opportunity. So stick around for this live career coaching session with Clayton Henderson from the SportsGrad community. Um, Clayton, thanks for the coffee. 
That's all right, mate. Thanks for having me. Least I could do. No, my pleasure. Where, where'd you get it from? Uh, what's it called? The Sloan Ranger, just around the corner. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Great spot. That's just spot. the first one I saw. So I thought, <laughs> hopefully they do a magic because I'd never heard of it before. Yeah, I heard you had to Google what the magic was. <laughs> the most Melbourne thing I've ever heard of, just quietly. Well, the, the, cap- the cappuccino's got a bit too much milk for me these days, so... Yeah, the magic goes down well. I mean, nothing wrong with the cap. Went with the cap before, <laughs> sitting nicely, so no complaints. Yeah. Now, tell me about what you're up to at the moment. We'll see what we can do to, to help your position. Right, so just got back from the UK last week, um, sort of working through the sports grad resources again. Um, in that position where I'm looking for full-time role or whether I go for a casual role, mm. that's sort of the, the dilemma that I'm having at the moment. Um, and you finished you finished all your studies. So finished uni in December. So that's all done. Yep. Bachelor of Business with minor studies in sport management, um, and now just sort of working through sports grad and looking for people to be networking with. So had a mm. chat with Nathan Peroni last week before he was on the podcast, and yeah, gave me a little shout out, which was nice. Well, that was how we got you in today because he he came in and. He said, oh, I've just walked away from a, a catch-up with Clayton and told us a bit about what you're up to and we thought, oh, we should, we should get Clayton in for, for a chat. <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah, just doing those sorts of things and trying to catch up with people who I think are aligned with what I want to be doing and mm. getting their experience and understanding how they sort of carved their path to where they are now and seeing if that's something similar that I could do. Mm, yeah. And um, what is that path? Do you know what you're, you're aiming for at the moment? What's your, what's your goal? So... My goal is really broad at the moment and it's not entirely refined but it's essentially just trying to be in full-time employment. That's my goal Mm. and it's going to be different for a lot of people who are looking to be in an exact role in an exact organisation. For me, ideally, I'd like to work in cricket. So, full-time work in cricket at either a state level or a national level. Mm. Um, But I'm one of those people who, because my area of study is quite broad, I don't really mind what the role is to begin with, so it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of an odd one. Mm. Have you have you seen a couple of roles that you think suit your your skill set and your interests? So there were a couple with Cricket Victoria that I had a look at, and there was a couple of people that I had a chat with about those roles. Um, there's not a whole heap with CA that come up that are for. I suppose, graduates in mm. entry-level positions. There was one that came up on Friday that I had a look at and that's probably one that I'll probably look to, towards. Mm. Um, but at the moment, there haven't been a whole lot that really come to mind mm. that, that fit my experience. Yep. And you, you said just before about um, you were tossing up between casual and full-time roles. What, what's your sort of dilemma there or what's, what's your thinking behind either type of position? So, as much as I'd love to get into a full-time role, I think there are still parts of my experience that are lacking and I think, do I go for a full-time role and then it sort of drags on for a bit or do I look for a couple of casual roles that are specifically able to fill in those gaps, I think, in my experience that would help me get a full-time role? Mm. That makes sense? Yeah. So, particularly, you know, areas like uh, experience with a CRM for example, mm. um, and finding a casual position that works with a CRM and, and getting that experience because a lot of JDs will say you need experience with a CRM, mm. particularly full-time roles. Yeah. So that's where sort of blanks in my experience can sort of become exposed a bit. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, and so has that, has that held you back from applying for some full-time jobs? Because it sounds like the full-time job is the goal but do you still kind of see yourself as needing a stepping stone to get there? Have you made a few Hail Mary attempts to get that that full-time role? There have been a couple and only a couple, but there probably should have been a few more just quietly. (laughs) Um, But I think you're right there. Um, That dilemma of I think I probably should be looking at casual roles, but there's sort of those few long shot full-time applications that have been made just because I felt like my experience was still good enough, but probably still just lacking a bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would I would be careful not to discount yourself too heavily because I think um, even though your skill set might not be incredibly well developed in all the areas that you think you should have skills, you've still got a lot to offer an organisation just by what you've shown me through the things that you're pursuing at the moment, going out and meeting interesting people with how kind of pointed your career direction is. I think there's a lot of organisations who are just looking for good people at the moment 
And if you presented yourself as a good person first and said, hey, I'm willing to learn all these different things, that can often be enough. But you often you don't get that shot unless you put yourself out there. <laughs> so I, I like I can totally understand your predicament. You want to you want to be in like a perfect position where you know you're confident you can you can land it. But even if you're only say seventy percent qualified to do the role, that's still good enough to to have a shot at it. Because one of the things that you will gain from just having a shot at it is repetitions on your on writing your resume and your cover letter which is incredibly important. Like being able to sell yourself is almost half the battle. <laughs> and that's probably another area that I'm probably not selling myself as much as I should be, mm. um, particularly when it comes to cover letters and, and using stats to back up the work you've done. Mm. That's probably another thing outside of my experience that's probably lacking a bit. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So like e- even like if you if you were to look at applying for jobs purely for the purpose of improving your applications – that would do a long way to help you once your position that you really, really want and are qualified for and, and fit nicely, that would go a long way to helping you grab that once that, once that come up, came up. Because what you don't want to happen is that job comes up and you've only you know produced two or three versions of your resume in the past that aren't perfect, that haven't been constantly worked on and, and built upon to the point where they are you know 95% perfect. You kind of want to throw a lot of darts, a lot of random jobs just to get that practice applying so that, you know, when your grand final comes, you're there ready to, to smash it. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I, I suppose that's <laughs> – you, you think about it from that perspective and you want to be able to say that you've got you – know, I, I suppose my my – resume changes from application to application and obviously the same with the cover letter because you're trying to Mm. sell yourself in different ways with different experiences you've had. Mm. That's good. Should be doing that. But (laughs) again, I think my experience is just a little bit not too small but it's limited to certain roles. Mm. So, for example, my experience is really cricket heavy and a lot of uh, cricket administration heavy. So, like when I look at roles with AFL clubs or I look at roles in, say, a, a Netball Australia, for example, mm. I feel that I feel restricted to one sport, if that makes sense, mm. because a lot of the experience in cricket is just cricket-related. Mm. Well, t- tell me about those experiences and, and what are some of the key skills that were involved in those roles? So the first one is one that I'm currently in, um, so community cricket development at Cricket Victoria. So that's doing school clinics and going out to, you know, 100-plus kids and, and running clinics at all different schools in the inner east. Um, and that'll be liaising with the cricket managers of that area and, and making sure that we're running uh, those clinics aligned with Cricket Victoria's objective of the Woolworths Blast, Mm. which is like their program for kids of that younger age, and then running those Woolworths Blast sessions essentially. For those who do know what that is, they'll understand, but it's trying to run clinics with an objective in mind. Yep, yep. And so what do you think are the like foundational skills that allow you to do that successfully? Um, Well, I think the cricket coaching is the number one part of that role i think mm. outside of coaching that clinic there is a little bit of uh, collaboration with the cricket managers but it's not a whole lot on that administration side it's more mm. so the practical cricket coaching and that's sort of what i mean by a lot of my experience is cricket heavy and not so mm. much administration heavy the role that i rely on most on a cover letter is my casual work with the nrl mm. when i was doing um game development and um as, as an internship, so game development internship, and then I was doing an assistant development role casually. So I was working under the operations manager. Shout out to Scott McNaughton, great man. <laughs> um, and then that was a lot more administration, uh, a lot more Excel spreadsheets and all that sort of stuff. Mm. So that's the experience I go to for administration and collaboration with other stakeholders. Mm. But a lot of the experience is sort of cricket-related, if that makes sense. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. I think um, – well, if you look at coaching, coaching is kind of just like a combination of skill development and communication. Right. And if you were to just extract the communication part from the work that you're doing in cricket, that's a skill that you can you can take anywhere. That's an experience that you can use to speak to any sort of job that requires communication. If you're able to communicate effectively to coach these kids on how to play cricket or how to communicate with the um, 
the clubs that you're dealing with or with the state body, whoever it might be, the cricket managers, you know, that's there's examples of of a particular skill that you can use across netball, AFL, doesn't matter what sport, that's not exclusive to cricket. Does that make sense how like yeah. it's not just within that that realm of that one sport? Absolutely, yeah. Mm. So I think if you can start to like really dive into the work that you've done in cricket and, and figure out what are the fundamental skills that I've been using here, then you can start to think about how you transfer them. Right. So there's a lot of people who have come from other industries into sport who have had to get really good at this just to enter the sports industry. For example, uh, David Priles, who is the CEO of Hockey Australia, used to be an investment banker. He talked about how his experience in investment banking with sales, communication, stakeholder management, pitching, all that sort of stuff could be transferred to the industry. Okay. It's the same, same with the sport. All the skills are the same. You're just applying it in a different realm. And yes, that's still important because there's different nuances with every sport. So having a level of understanding is, is key. But it's probably most important that you've got those fundamental skills that can sit across anywhere, which I think for you, yes, cricket's your, your love and you want, you want to work in cricket, but don't allow that to shut yourself out from other opportunities in other sports just because it's not cricket experience. It's still good experience and good skills that can can work anywhere. And I suppose that comes back to selling yourself mm. in a cover letter. I've probably restricted selling myself because I wasn't looking at the the skills that can be separated from coaching and in cricket if you're not playing first class <laughs> cricket, you're not really going to be coaching. So that's sort of where I understand I'll be but the skills I need to take out from the coaching, separate the coaching from the actual skills that were like communication, like you say, mm. that's probably where I need to be in my cover letter writing, mm. separating the skill and I suppose the base of what the job is. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you get to an interview, it's really just a test of your self-awareness. How, do you know, how well do you know yourself and what you've done to be able to relate it to your current situation and the questions that they're throwing at you? So if you can dive deep into what you've done and how you've done it, then it doesn't matter if it's, you know, netball, Australia, soccer, whatever, um, you know, anybody, any, you'll find a way to communicate effectively to anybody. Right. So now that you've kind of figured out that like, all right, you've got these skills um, and you can apply them anywhere, um, what's, what's stopping you from going for any of those full-time roles that you that you think you might be fitting? Well, probably nothing now. You've sort of twisted, <laughs> you've twisted my arm a little bit. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think trying to find the right opportunity as well. Um, like you see a lot of sales opportunities in membership, um, you know, particularly like we saw in the job fair yesterday with the cats, there's a role going for membership. Mm. Um, and then there was someone who was uh, got a role with Hawthorne, Daniel. Daniel Kane, yeah. yeah. that's right. Um, so there's plenty of those opportunities around. And again, that's, you know, the sales experience that I've probably been lacking. And again, you look at the cricket experience, you're not really going to find any mm. sales experience there. And again, it's those skills that are genuinely blanked in my sort of locker of experience. Mm. So as much as, you know, now I can look at which skills I have used and can use in a job application, it's those skills that, genuinely just aren't there that I haven't had the experience with. So that's probably the next problem, mm. I suppose, yep. or the next issue to solve. Yeah. Well, I think um, what, one thing about being early in your career and being fresh out of university that you can really leverage is your potential to be great rather than what you can do right now because people love being able to develop young talents and shape them into a role and help them grow and teach them new skills and all that sort of stuff. You've just got to be a person who's willing to learn and be a fast learner at the same time. So if you take uh, sales, for example, I don't know any university in the country that teaches sales, <laughs> particularly not in sport management. <laughs> like over in America, massive thing. Yep. They all teach sales. <laughs> Over here, no one seems to do it, even though the most common entry-level role in sport is a membership officer role where you are selling memberships to AFL fans or NRL fans, yeah. <laughs> but no one teaches you how to do it. 
Uh, so these people, they haven't got sales experience before they arrive unless they've picked it up somewhere else. For example, um, I remember chatting to, to one grad who had worked for an insurance company for like three or four years selling insurance over the phone and then combined that ex- insurance sales experience with his sport management degree to then get a job in the Richmond membership team. However, there are other people who are who just like talking to people, who are just good communicators and like chatting on the phone. And you certainly like chatting. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I've, you've probably held me back a little bit, which has been good because <laughs> everyone who's listening, they just be on this bloke won't be quiet. Continuing <laughs> on. So you you can just literally be a good communicator who likes talking to people to be someone that an AFL club can look at and think we can teach this person how to sell a membership if they can open their mouth and talk and get along with people. We can tell them the couple of nuances that it takes to, you know, get someone to cough up two hundred bucks for a Richmond membership. So, I think when you when you come back to um, thinking about your potential and what you've got to offer an organisation over the long term, not not the short term, not what you can do right now, but what you can do over over a number of years. Um, and when you look at the the perspective of the organisation, they're not looking for a quick fix either. They're looking for return on their investment in their candidate over a long period of time and if that means they've got to train someone up in the first few weeks or months to get them up to speed so that the next four and a half years are amazing they'll do that so that means all you have to do is present yourself as someone who's got that potential to be the the best long-term investment over four or five years for example does that make sense yeah absolutely Mm. so Let's say, for example, role comes up, um, resume probably stays the same. I think most of my experiences on there probably would word a few things maybe a bit differently. Mm. Would you say that in different organisations you'd try and sell yourself differently? So obviously you're trying to sell your experience and, again, like what you said, the person you are and the person you're willing to learn, Mm. would you say that you need to sell yourself in a different form for different roles, like a membership role or like we said, that community cricket role that's come up with CA, would you try and sell yourself in a different way in terms of your experience? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, have you looked on the community resource hub at the tool to dissect a job description? Yep, I have. Mm. And I was actually, I was going to say yesterday <laughs> in the job fair because it was a similar role that what you actually broke down yeah. on that video, the cat's role. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm glad you've watched those those live job applications because um, inside that, as you know, like the process is going through the job description and finding out what are the key skill skill priorities for this job, what are the key character priorities for this job and what are the organisational values. And they're all going to differ from job to job, from organisation to organisation. Uh, in terms of how you use them, that's pretty similar. Like you go through, find the top three or four priorities from each and filter them into your um, application so that you are touching on the top three or four things that matter most to the job. So when you think about that, the approach is pretty similar, but you're just touching on different things that different organisations want to use. So for example, the membership one might want someone who's an excellent communicator. An operations role might want someone who's extremely detail-oriented. The difference in your application would mean that your first paragraph in the in the membership role is all about how good of a communicator you are, whereas in the operations role, it's all about how good your attention to detail is. Right. You might still have those paragraphs on the same cover letter, but they're just stacked in a different order because they want to hear them in a different order of priority. Yep. So I'd definitely change your application from, from job to job Um no matter which way you're looking at it, but the process of breaking it down and finding out the bits of data that are going to be useful to you is fundamentally the same. Right. So this might sound like a bit of a do-it-for-me question. That's all right. But <laughs> so in in a cover letter you're writing whatever role and you're stating your experience to sell the experience that you've had, how would you go about actually selling it to the job poster rather than just stating it? if that makes sense. So rather than just saying what experience you have, how do you sell it to them that Mm. you're really good at it? Obviously statistics and numbers that you've had, but in sort of cricketing roles where there's not a lot of statistics with what you're actually doing, Mm. how would you go about selling it rather than just stating it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think um, one fundamental principle that I 
like to use when I'm writing a cover letter is show, don't tell. So if you haven't experienced, explain exactly what you've done and make it extremely clear. So uh, for example, I'll integrate a paragraph using the star response, S meaning situation, T, task, A, action, R, result. And that'll kind of be my structure for a paragraph that I'm talking about my experience. And that just allows me to communicate one idea really, really clearly. So if I'm talking about communication, I won't try and stack up four or five different experiences and how they've all related to communication. I'll pick the best one and go deep into it and explain how, uh, in an example, I've been able to demonstrate my communication really, really well. So I think selling is all about clarity like if you can make one point really really clear then that makes it easy for the other person to understand and then it becomes you know how impressive is your example so when you get to the results part you can either talk about quantifiable results or um uh, what's the other one qualitative 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 results (laughs) um so for example like uh one of my paragraphs in one of my cover letters back in the day was talking about my experience as the Deakin University Sports Studies president. And um, and uh, at the end of the paragraph where I talked about how I was a president, I, it was my job to run events and lead the organization. We ran these events throughout the year. We implemented new marketing initiatives. We introduced a photographer. We got you know active on social media. And as a result, the membership grew from 200 from 125 to 213, which is an increase of 71% in, in one year. The uh, qualitative um, feedback was that at the end of the final uh, event we ran that year, I had a bloke called Ankit come up to me and say, hey, Reuben, thanks so much for running this industry networking dinner tonight. I met such and such from the AFL and we're going to have a coffee next week and I don't think I would have had the opportunity to do this otherwise. So you can kind of lean on numbers and anecdotes depending on what your example is. Um, But I think the main thing is just can you share exactly what you did super, super clearly so people can picture picture you in their organization. Right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Um, Is there an example that you're thinking of that you think is not sold as well as it possibly could be in your current cover letter? Probably all of it. To be, <laughs> to be completely honest, all of it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm ready for it to be torn to shreds. Yeah. Well, I have got your cover letter here. Let me have a look at it. Don't hold back. <laughs> Where did you apply for in this this cover letter? So this was a Cricket Victoria role. Uh, it was the WBBL BBL events program officer. So that was doing um, like school holiday clinics with the Stars and Renegades. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, just going back to your point as well, like if you haven't got results to share, that's probably a good time to start collecting results or, or go back and try and find your results. It's still, you know, it's okay to message a former manager or supervisor, whoever it may be, to say, hey, do you have any numbers from what we were working on at the time just so I can use it in my application? And you might not be the only person responsible for that outcome but you're still part of it. And so you might share your little contribution to it, but if you can explain how the flow and effect has led to, you know, an increase in participation by, you know, 100,000 new players of cricket in a season or whatever, then that's still great work that you've done. And no one's expecting you at this point in your career to, you know, come out and change the world with some incredible strategy or, or idea or whatever. You're just playing your part at this, at this point in time. But if you can show how that part is super important to the bigger picture, then you can start to sell that experience as a really meaningful one. Right. Gotcha. Uh, I'm just going to pick a paragraph at random. My Here we go. Paragraph number two. My experience working with Cricket Victoria in a community cricket development casual role has allowed me to work closely with over 100 children in a school environment under a cricket clinic setting. These clinics allowed me a chance to collaborate with other CV cricket development coaches to ensure all children were focused on enjoyment and participation, all the while learning about the basics of the game. Similarly, with my role at Wesley College, I was able to work with young people in a school environment. However, in this instance, a high-performance approach was applied. Cool. So you've got two good experiences there, but you've mixed them into one. 
So you see what I'm saying about like pick one experience and go deep into it so that it's not convoluted or, yep. you know, confused. So what I would do here is um, – um, and tell me, th- this paragraph, what, what skill are you trying to uh, share about yourself? So it was more so the fact that I was in – had experience in a school environment because mm. the majority of the role was sorting out school holiday program clinics for, for kids. Mm. So I wanted to sort of emphasize the fact that I'd had experience in a school setting and also a coaching setting within a school setting. Yeah, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. And I had two of them and, yeah, I suppose I tried to jam both of them in there. Yeah, 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 nice. I think I think one thing that you can do is you can still convey that you've had school's experience whilst talking about other things. Right. Because the reason why your experience in schools is important and meaningful is because of the tasks that you did every single day. And it sounds that they were largely logistical in nature. Is that right? Yeah. Mm. So if you can explain how, um, you know, the number one skill that this job is looking for is, you know, logistics or operational experience and you can talk about your skills related to being extremely organized and having high attention to detail, if you can focus on those fundamental skills and show how you've used them in a setting that they're looking for too, you've kind of had a double whammy in, in one paragraph. Get what I mean? Yeah. So you might you might open with something like starting with a situation. So you'd say, in my experience working with Cricket Victoria in a community cricket development casual role, um, I use my operational experience every single day to ensure that the program ran smoothly for over 100 kids. And then you might go into detail. So what what was one of the tasks that you had to do in that role? So just setting up um, clinics for 30 plus kids at a time. Um, so you've got to have sort of three to four drills ready to go because sometimes the groups would be bigger, sometimes the groups mm. would be smaller, sometimes you've got another coach with you to help, sometimes you don't. Mm. So I suppose it was mitigating what was possibly going to happen in different situations and having a backup plan. Mm. And then it's just a matter of executing those drills and those, uh, I suppose, different activities at certain times or at the same time simultaneously you've got two things going at once. So there's a bit of multitasking in it too. Yep. And how, how do you prepare to, to run the clinic? So just the night before you'd go through, I suppose, your own uh, repertoire of what drills you've got but then also there are resources um, on the community cricket realm where you've got uh, different resources to go from for drills, like batting drills, bowling drills, fielding drills, uh, even games for kids who are a bit younger that just work on sort of the fundamental movements. Mm. But the night before the preparation or even a couple of days before you plan out from your numbers and the space you've got, what you'll be doing. Mm. It's got to be different every time you go there. Mm. So what you've just shared with me then is the tasks task involved in that particular job and the action that you took to complete it. So your task was to to run these kids' clinics for 30, 40 people at a time. And to do that, the night before, you would do your preparation, lay it all out, look to resources, find out how you're going to run the best possible program so that on the day, you need, you're leaving nothing to chance, which takes someone with an incredible level of organization, organizational skills and attention to detail to do. Not many people are doing that the night before. <laughs> can think of a lot of people who just rock up and try and do it. <laughs> so if you were to kind of strip this experience back and apply the star uh, response to it, you've got you're working at Cricket Victoria in a community cricket development casual role. Your task is to run these clinics. The action you've taken is to is in the nights before it, look at what drills can apply, look at like a session structure and then arrive prepared, ready to, to execute it. Part of your action as well is executing it and then what was the result of of doing that you just see the kids having fun doing what you've set up because i suppose in all the drills they're cricket based they're essentially games so you just see kids running around having fun Mm. and the result is that's sort of your kpi do you see them having fun is everyone having a go that's your result Mm. and how many so what 30 or 40 kids in a session did you say so 30 was the max that I had. Sometimes mm. you get less. We had COVID run through one school, so I had about 16. So mm. then I sort of changed a couple of things on the spot because you can easily take away rather than add on. Mm. Um, but 30 is probably the max you're going to have. Yeah. And how many in, a, say, one summer of cricket? Oh, hundreds and hundreds. 
because you're going to all different schools in the area. And I've only done it for a couple of months before I went overseas. Mm. Um, and I'm starting it up again next week finally, so I'll be doing <laughs> a few more. Um, but it depends how long you work in it because you'll go to all different sorts of schools. Yeah. If you had to pick one hundred, level of hundred, what would it be? <laughs> in in what, what way do you mean? Like was it 700, 800, 900? How oh, many kids? I only would have done maybe 100 plus, maybe 150 because I only did three or four schools mm. in this at that back end of the summer before I went to went to the UK. Yep. And do you know how many of them were happy? Oh, they all look pretty happy because they just <laughs> half the time at the end of the drill they'll just start playing their own modification of it because mm. you're sort of monitoring a few different things and a lot of the games are easily modified. Mm. So you see them sort of doing their own thing but they're all having fun but they're still doing the basic movements that the skill in cricket requires mm. and that's why those drills are so good because even though they start to take their own twist to it, they're still doing what you expect them to do. Yeah, yeah, awesome. So, so like one thing you could say as a result of the work that you've done, over 150 kids throughout the summer have been able to enjoy an introduction into cricket through the work that you're doing. And you might go on to say something about how being a lover of cricket, having grown up with the game yourself, how fulfilling it was for you to see these kids running around having a good time with a bat and ball in their hand. Yeah, absolutely. So can you see how we pick one experience, go deep into every single part of it, and attach a result to it, it starts to become a really compelling story about what you have done. Yeah. So how, how long would you say your cover letter would be max? Uh, I was trying to stick to one page. Right. Just one page of solid gold is what I tell people. Like make it the best possible page you can, you can, you can produce. Yep. And you've got to make sure every single line on the page counts because as soon as it goes over, yep. then people are looking at a two-page thing and already before they've even read a word, they think, oh, I've got to read two pages. Yeah. <laughs> and that's sort of what I've tried to do in that one. I've sort of tried to keep it to one page. And as you say, I'll just continue talking about what I'm doing. <laughs> and some of it's irrelevant, but trying to be as precise as possible to keep it to that one page. Mm. And I suppose if I redid that experience with CV using star, it would probably be quite a lot bigger. Mm. So I'm probably only going to be picking, you know, two, maybe three experiences. Well, that, well, that's it. So, like, in the process of breaking down the job description, the idea is to pick the top four skill priorities and build your paragraphs around those skill priorities. But you don't have to use number four. Right. Just using three is totally fine. If you can address the top three skill priorities and um, lace them with things like, that they want to see, such as doing it in a setting in schools like you've just explained here or doing it in a way that represents their organisational values or the characteristics that they really value in their person, then you can start to have this like multi-layered paragraph that touches on everything that they they want to see. Right. But you've really just hinged it around the top three skills because that's what you're going to be doing every single day. Looks like I need to bring the Calibri font from 12 to yeah. 10 of it. <laughs> exactly. That, that can be a good little hack too. <laughs> um but copywriting does really become uh, a skill that you need to need to work on because, you know, if you can turn four words into one, then you can save a couple of lines on a page that's going to make it easier for someone to read. How are you feeling about you? Cover letter. That one, not so good, but the one <laughs> I'll be writing for the next application a little bit better, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Probably because it pertains to that experience still again. Yep. Yeah, nice. Um, let's have a look at your resume too because I've got that here. Have you looked at the, the templates on the resource hub? I think I did when I initially joined. And mm. I'm not sure if I've based that one off that or if that was one, a continuation of one that I've written a while ago. Yeah, this one looks pretty pretty similar. I think I can see you've chopped and changed a little bit, but it looks pretty yeah. similar to the one that we've got on there. So, um, yeah, the, the one on there, that the, the template on our resource hub was literally my resume from Cricket Australia, just, right. just stripped back. And that was that resume that I created for myself was based on feedback that I got from all sorts of people across a number of different like number of different applications. Most of them unsuccessful, right. few of them successful, but helped me get to these successful ones. Um, 
and it's really just a clean way of showing every little detail about yourself um, in a way that's easy to read, but also shows that you are a um, a well-rounded human being too. In saying that, the part that shows that you are a well-rounded human being is your interest section, and you've cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> that was um, very patchy. When it was, yeah, very, very patchy. It needed to be excluded. But yeah. I think I've sent you a draft actually by accident. So, okay. <laughs> but it's not in there. You're right. The yeah. title shouldn't be in there, but I think you've got the draft copy. Well, the, like the interest section is important because it creates a talking point. So, I, I used to um, work with this student called Tom back in 2020 and uh, we were working on his um, resume and we got to his interest section. He, he spoke about how on the weekend – he loves going for a walk with his dog and his girlfriend and watching the NFL on the weekends. He's a big supporter of the Green Bay Packers. And as soon as he got into his job interview, the first thing that his manager-to-be asked him was, how's the Green Bay Packers going? Right. <laughs> and they started talking about NFL for, for 10 minutes. And before that even touched on the job, he'd won the job because he was just, you know, they were getting along talking about the NFL. So right. it does create a really good talking point that actually leads to um, things that will show your cultural fit for a role before they've even touched on can you do the job or not. Right. Whereabouts in the resume would you put that interest? Because I think mine was the start of the second page. Mm. And, yeah, I've always sort of thought that education and experience sort of went first page and then yeah. interests afterwards, but if you've got... No, that's perfect. That's perfect. So, I, I would lead with the education. Then after that, share your experience in order of the skill priorities. Right. So, if you've, de- if you've gone through and found out that communication is number one, attention to detail is number two, um, you know, teamwork is number three or whatever, then you can start to ladder them in those orders, in that order. Um, but then underneath experience, that's where I would, sh- I would go to um, interests and you might detail, you know, travel to the UK to play cricket, whatever else you do in your spare time and then underneath that show like some of you, your volunteer experience just in dot point form. You don't need to go into too much detail but just to show, hey, I volunteer at these events or in these organisations. Beautiful. Mm. I'll need to get that uh, interest <laughs> section back. But that was, yeah, that was something that I think I wrote in in the intention of having an interest section. But mm. I, I don't think it was, uh, I don't think it was any good. <laughs> <laughs> well, similarly to like how your, your cover letter, you just want one page of solid gold, your resume should just be two pages max. Because again, you pick up a three-page document, you're like, oh, I've got to read three pages. <laughs> and um, when we spoke to Daniel Simons, who is the people and culture manager at Golf Australia, uh, we spoke to him in episode 110 and his episode was all about how to master your resume and what he looks for in that. And he said that you've got about a five-second window to catch his attention. And when he picks up a resume, he goes straight to the experience section. Right. So you want to make sure that you have your most relevant experience to the job at number one. doesn't matter if it's not the most recent experience, have the most relevant experience. And then once you're there, you just want to be able to paint a really nice picture about what you've done. So the clearer you can be with each of your responsibilities and your tasks completed, and even if you want to reiterate some of the results you've created that might have been mentioned in your cover letter, that's okay to do too. Um, but I think the way that you've outlined it is is perfect as per the template. <laughs> um, you've got the title, you've got the organization, you've got the date. You've then got a little blurb to explain you know, what you were doing. So in the example of working at the NRL, You've got here working directly under the operations manager with concentrated exposure in competition management, database management, and game development. Specific responsibilities included. And that's a really nice lead into just detailing all the dot points. Because now, if I'm Daniel Simons picking up your resume with five seconds to decide if I want to go any further, I've got context to what you're about to share with me, which is streamlined existing administration workflow and provide recommendations on efficiencies and optimization opportunities 
analyzed and updated existing event logistics and provided recommendations and suggestions on new initiatives and processes. So now I can actually see where those pertain to. Because those dot points, you could throw them into any job description. It'd probably be accurate. Yep. <laughs> and I'd have no idea like, right, is he working in construction? Is he working in healthcare? Is he working in sport? Yep. <laughs> um, but as soon as you provide that context, then I can actually see how it fits into the organization. And even if you can go a step further, the goals of the organization. If you can, if you can explain how your role ladders up to the overall strategy of an organization, then one, you show that you've got the organization front of mind and you understand, right, I'm here to perform a job that's going to help achieve a specific goal for a specific reason set by senior management. And if you can kind of empathize with the people at the top who are setting the strategy for a specific reason, then you kind of show that you are thinking on their wavelength and you show that you show that your manager, Hey, I'm, I know I've got a job to do. This is how I've done my job, but I know it's in purpose of these higher level objectives and I've got them front of mind, which um, is a very mature thing to do. Like not many people kind of get there until later on, but if you're coming straight out of union and showing and you're showing an organization how you help them achieve their strategic goals, that's, you know, that's advanced level stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. This looks really good. This looks really good. You've got your... I mean, you follow the template, so I can't really <laughs> can't really fault you too much. But the only thing I would probably say is, uh, and you're going to have to do some trimming to decrease it down to three pages, particularly after I've told you to add in an interest section yep. and also add in like a little introduction at the start, okay. just about like who you are, why you do what you do, Um so that people have got context to who, who Clayton is. Gotcha. Similarly to the way that you've add context to your experience, add context to who you are too at the top of the page with just a quick paragraph about, you know, why this stuff is important to you. What are your motivations for applying for the job? All that sort of stuff. Right. And then, yeah, reduce the font down to 10, do whatever you need to do, bring stuff up to same line. Yeah, and they'll definitely be going into the cover letter and reducing that whole thing. Formatting is a serious skill. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, good stuff. Awesome. Um, beautiful. What, what do you like at interviewing? Um, I've, oh, I've not had an interview. Ever? I, I had an interview when I worked my first job out of school at a bottle shop, mm. but my brother worked there before me and he got me the job like I went into the interview with the manager and he said oh I'm not gonna play games you've got the job like you're just following your brother I just wanted to meet you and see who you were I was like oh cool awesome and I mean any other role that I've had I've not not the interview for because I've had them come through other people like my role at Wesley um the head of cricket there Paul Montgomery is the assistant coach at our cricket club um my role with uh, the NRL was through Scott McNaughton um, on LinkedIn. I knew him because he was a coach at Ringwood years ago and I reached out to him when I first got onto LinkedIn. I said, if you've got anything anything going that I can add to my resume, I'd you know, do anything. Any busy work you don't want to do, just mm. send it to me because a mate of mine had done some work experience with him and I said, yeah, anything you want to do or you don't want to do, give mm. it to me. He got me on board, which led to that casual role. Um, Cricket Victoria, again, was the ex-president of our cricket club Got a job at Cricket Victoria as a cricket manager. Got me into that. Did an interview. <laughs> so it's crazy how things like that. And again, I did a, about a month in fan engagement with the Melbourne Stars at the start of this year. I don't really include it because I didn't do a whole lot. Mm. But again, that was through Mark. The Melbourne Stars needed someone to drive the truck and be star man. Mm. And again, they just said, yeah, just come and do it. So, so I've not actually had to interview at all. That is crazy. It is. It really is. Um so I probably need to be touching up on my interview skills if I do get successful in an application. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, once you start to get to some more, I guess, formal positions, so to speak, not that those aren't formal, but um, yeah, you probably will have to interview at some point in time. Yes. <laughs> It'd be nice if I didn't have to. You never know. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I would think so, yeah. Well, I, like the purpose of an interview is just to understand the candidate and who they are and what they can do. And you are good enough at talking and you know these people well enough that you've probably already done the interview in advance. That's why they didn't have to bring you in. I'll talk their ear off. Yeah. Be very unlucky. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, exactly. Like just talking to them at your cricket club has given them enough information to say we can bring Clayton in confidently knowing that he'll do a good job. So despite the fact that you've never interviewed before, I would take a lot of confidence out of the fact that you've already given these people enough information through speaking to get hired for these jobs. Right. You're just changing the situation now. And the questions are a bit more formal. There might be a desk in between. And that's it. <laughs> Same sort of stuff though. Right. So I, I think despite the fact you've never interviewed, I'd still take a lot of confidence that you've been able to win these jobs through the information you've shared with them. Yeah. Um, but I think if you were to prepare for an interview, looking at things like the star response is really crucial so you can paint a really well-rounded picture on how you performed a specific task or skill. Um, and then coming back to how you can leverage your potential, like uh, sort of like beginner level interview answer is just just answer the question using the star response. You know, tell me the situation, task, action, result. Advanced level is integrating uh, elements of things that indicate your potential throughout the star response. So if you can tell me about your experience with the star structure and then inject little things that show how you use your initiative, things that show your leadership ability, things that show your emotional intelligence, your creative thinking, that those are ways you can get more into your answers and really beef them up that point to the kind of person that they want, someone who they can develop for the long term, someone who's going to give them the greatest possible return over the longest period of time. Right. Those sort of things, initiative, leadership, emotional intelligence, creative thinking and having results to share as well all indicate your potential to be great over a long period of time. And they might not ask you directly, tell me about your initiative or tell me about leadership positions that you've held in the past. But if you can integrate them into the other answers, then you're going to give them a lot more that they ask for and you're going to sound a lot better in the process. Right. Does that make sense how you can kind of like just give a flat line absolutely, yeah. experience and, and a beefed up one? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. The other one I would prepare yourself for is usually the opening question of any interview and that is tell me about yourself and your motivations for applying for the job. Right. So why are you here? Why is this role important to you? Is it the fifth job that you've applied for this week or is it the dream job that you want and have you been working your entire life to get it? Yeah. So I think with the interview, again, like you, you know with Resource Hub is there's a whole bunch of webinars in there that tell you how to workshop each of those things that I've explained, how to map out the star response, how to integrate it with those indicators of potential. Um, and if you can do that, then you and talk the way you already do, you should be totally fine. <laughs> Maybe I might bring it back a peg, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I think you're in a really good spot though. I think you've got you've got a lot to offer anybody and the reason why we wanted to reach out to you and have this chat was because you've shown us being in our community for... How long have you been inside for? Like a year? Since August, I think. Last August. Year. Oh, yeah. Not even a year. feels like a year. <laughs> um, I'm not quite in uh, Nathan Peroni status yet. I'm not quite near <laughs> number 0001. That's all right. <laughs> um, um, well, yeah, like the reason why we want to reach out to you is because since August last year, being in our community, you've shown a lot to us that you've got plenty to offer an organization. So when we heard that you, you know, were back in Australia and looking for help and figuring things out, you know, we want to help you because we're confident that you've got the potential to significantly help an organization in the future. So you've already done plenty to show that you're a person who's extremely capable and has got a lot to offer. I think for you, you just need to probably understand it yourself and understand how it relates to different areas. You don't just have to be in cricket. It can be anywhere and understanding the skills you've got and the willingness that you've got to find new skills that you don't have yet is going to be important in selling yourself so that you can get those jobs. Yeah, thank you. Those words are really kind, mate. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's finding those skills and then the hunger to learn is, I suppose, uh, synonymous with being a recent graduate. Every recent graduate who's not in a role is mm. sort of really hungry to do whatever they need to do to get into that role and that's what it's been like, you know, working for casual roles over the summer 
sort of gets to you and you're like, yeah, I think I'm ready. Yeah. And then spending time overseas and, you know, you're sort of on another planet. It's just like, you know, you're living your life and then coming back, it's just like, yep, yeah, switch back on. I need to do something here. I'm really hungry and driven to, mm. to land something but then also putting in the work, like you said, in the community and in being involved and then trying to find those gaps in experience and obviously trying to sell yourself in a mm. different way is, you know, something that's – I suppose it drives you because you've got to do it. Mm. You know, like you always say, sport's really difficult to get into. Yeah. But as a recent graduate, you sort of are forced to be really hungry and driven to be in that role that you're trying to go for. Mm. But you can be hungry and keep to yourself or you can be hungry and show others that you're hungry. And it's because you've shown us that you're hungry that we wanted to give you this opportunity because you've attended webinars, you've attended speed networking nights, you've arrived at in-person meetups as well. You're doing your own networking with other people. The only reason we found out about your current situation is through word of mouth through Nathan because you just had a coffee with him. (laughs) Um, You're also on LinkedIn as well. You're posting on there regularly too. So these are all things that show you are hungry for a career and um, that's all you can really ask for of grads at this stage of their career. So um, keep it up. You're on the right track. A few little tweaks here and there and someone will pick you up in no time. Thank you, mate. I really appreciate that. There you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed this different type of episode today. We got really hands-on and practical with with Clayton. Uh, so we wish him all the best in the future and I hope that some, some success comes from the changes that we've tried to help him with. But... If you want help with your career, I'd highly recommend getting involved in the sports grad community. As we discussed, finding a job in sport is incredibly difficult, particularly if you want some of the the great jobs in sport, not just any old job in sport. If you want the great jobs in sport, it is incredibly difficult. Like I was was the only person to graduate from my cohort at Deakin out of 400 people and immediately start at Deakin University, immediately start at Cricket Australia in the sponsorship team of all places too. So... It is incredibly difficult to find those dream jobs, but we've been able to do it. Ryan's been able to do it too. That's how we met. And since then, we've been able to help over 200 people do it as well. And there's a method to it. There's ways to it that we try and teach. We also uh, open up our community to organizations to be a part of too because they know that people inside our community are career-driven, are motivated, have got huge potential they're hungry, they're putting themselves out there, they're doing all the right things to land a dream job in sport. And so that's why we're building up this pool of people who are incredible and are going to be incredible for a long time to come and making them available to people in the, to people in the sports industry to, to hire from. So if you want to join our community and really start to build up your career, I'd highly recommend getting involved. As we touched on a number of times, we've got Not only do we connect you to the organizations with the best jobs in sport, but we also give you the resources to help you land those jobs in sport. For example, we have a resource hub that teaches you how to break down a job description so that you can write a tailored resume and cover letter. We also also give give you a resume template. This is a template of my resume that helped me get my dream job at Cricket Australia. And we've also got a cover letter template as well with the way that we recommend writing it based on the feedback from people like Kimberly Finesse, who's the general manager of people and culture at Netball Australia. So we're getting expert opinions all the time in this podcast and they shape the resources that we introduce to our members because we want to help them get jobs. So if you want to access all those resources, all those templates, all the webinars as well that where we run Uh, coaching sessions like this so that you can build up your application so you can get better on LinkedIn, so you can get better at networking. There's over 35 hours of content on the Resource Hub designed to help you specifically with careers in sport. Then jump into the sports grad community. You can find a link to do so in our show notes or you can head to www.sportsgrad.com.au forward slash community and sign up there. We'd also love it if you'd show the show a bit of love. If you've enjoyed this episode and if you've enjoyed some other episodes too, then give it a rating of five stars wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe to it on Apple, follow it on Spotify. We really appreciate everyone listening in. And if you want to catch up with us in person, we've got our meetups coming up. 
This Thursday in Adelaide, the 16th of June, we'll be heading into the West Oak Hotel. On the 30th of June, we're going to Sydney. On the 1st of July, we will be in Melbourne. And on the 7th of July, we'll be in Brisbane. So if you're in any of those cities, get along, come and say hi, register on LinkedIn uh, to get a ticket. Otherwise, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. (laughs) 